This is Brother John Matter, and it's great to be with you today. And I'm going to step right in where we left off next week. If the Spirit of the Lord will lead me that way. And I was telling you about the move of God in the book of Acts. See, everything in God's Word. And I know people use this scripture and they don't use it in the right context. But in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter and the first verse, it said to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. God done nothing by accident. The Bible plainly tells you in Psalms that His Word is forever settled in heaven, and it has been since He spoke things to uh, into existence uh, on what we call the creation. Everything was spoken at God's time according to God's will by His Word and by His Spirit. It was God's predestined and foreordained time to bring man forth on the face of the earth. And since that time, every major move of God that happened, uh, how that God visited Abraham, and how he walked with Abraham uh, seed, and then come on down to the children of Israel, how they stayed in bondage 430 years, but on the exact day that that 430 years came to an end, God had spoken to Abraham that there would be a visitation of his spirit and he would bring his people out of bondage. And the word of God says on the exact day that that came to an end, God sent the angel and came in with a plague of the firstborn on Egypt and Egypt forced them out. Egypt forced them out and they spoiled the Egyptians, took their silver took their gold, and I believe it's in Psalms 105 that it says they came out with silver, they came out with gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribe. Why? They had just worshipped and uh, celebrated the Passover, which applied the blood of Jesus to their lives. And today, Jesus is our Passover lamb, so that was a period there of uh, over 400 years before God moved for his people. And then he brought them out with great uh, and terrible signs, mighty acts, great glory, great deliverance. Uh, and uh, somewhere during that time, they rocked back and forth and then dropped back into idolatry. And God had sent a deliverer until somewhere in there, he brought forth David. You know, it, it talks about this in... Uh, Matthew, the first chapter about the different generations. And uh, let me see if I can get over there and relate it to you. Uh, and see if I can make this make sense to you. Uh, Matthew, the fourth, first chapter. Hang on. Okay. In verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon are Christ are 14 generations. So there was, there was all those generations right there that God moved in. Uh, and you know, from Abraham to David, Abraham was a great visitation. And then to David was a great visitation. And from David to the carrying away of Babylon. You know, I was telling you last week how that the children of Israel, they just would not uh, hearken to God's voice. God kept telling them, sending them prophets to 
to uh, deal with them and talk to them. And uh, they wouldn't get back online. So finally God scattered them across the face of the earth. But when Jesus came, and you, you can go back, you can look at this. They, uh, Jesus came and you go 14, 14 and 14 generations. You got 42 generations. And years ago, I preached on the 42nd generation of Jesus Christ because you add all these up. And you get 42 generations, but go back and count them. There was only 41. There was only 41. So when Jesus came, that was the end. He didn't mean for that natural bloodline to be carried on from that time. It was a spiritual bloodline for that time. It was the blood of the Lamb. From that time, it was Jesus Christ who is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And Isaiah prophesied that that after him, nobody would sit on the throne of Israel. And he's talking about spiritual Israel. Spiritual Israel has their king. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is the Great I Am. And he has come to carry on the kingdom are you hearing me and restore the kingdom back to the earth the kingdom was established under Adam when God set Adam on the face of the earth and gave him dominion over the fish of the sea the fowl of the air and over all God's creation and religion has taken all this that God put in man and it has turned it back to we're going to get all this in heaven no God did not create man and raise man up just to take him to heaven. God created man and lived in him in the fullness. Where do you think God rested on oh, that seventh day? He rested in man in the fullness of man after he had made his creation. The Bible said six days God worked. That wasn't six of our days. That was six of God's days which every day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day so on that sixth day after God had created everything after six thousand years God rested and where did he rest in man in the fullness for one thousand years God rested in man in the fullness and man had dominion over everything that God created for at least that thousand years and we don't know how many thousands of years after that because man's days were not counted until after sin came in. So man, God lived in man in the fullness and God sanctified the seventh day forever. And since God started counting men's days, we are coming again to the end of that sixth day. And when that seventh day comes in, there has got to be a body. There has got to be a vessel. There has got to be a people. It's not going to be one man this time like it was when he put the fullness of his word and his spirit in Jesus Christ after the resurrection. It's not going to be just that. This is going to be a body of believers. 
that the fullness of the Christ uh, is going to live therein and the reconciliation. Go back uh, to Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and start uh, at the 17th verse and read through the 21st verse uh, when it talks about reconciliation or the restitution uh, of all things when it talks about uh, that Jesus just didn't come to save men, but He come to reconcile him uh, back to God. The word reconcile means to restore uh, back to divine favor. God uh, did not send Jesus Christ just to save man's soul. Uh, he came and sent him to be the way back to the Father. Uh, John 14 said, Jesus said, I am the way, uh, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except he come uh, through me or by me. I am the door. He is the door. Uh, back to the Father. He is the door. Uh, back to God living in man. One more time. And this is where we're coming. Uh, we're coming to this day of visitation. Uh, because just a few uh, days ago, the Lord spoke in my spirit uh, out of 1 Peter 2 and 9 when he says, uh, Peter said, this is a, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Uh, well, Moses spoke that same thing in Exodus. Uh, he spoke those very same words in Exodus. Uh, thousands of years before Jesus came. And here we are, children, come. Nearly 2,000 years since our Savior lived. And what has man done to the great and mighty move of God polluted it, defiled it, messed it up. Just like if man gets enough time, he'll mess everything else up. After the book of Acts on into the probably 500, 600, 5th, 6th century, man served God. He walked with God in authority and power and dominion. Uh, but because of the doctrines of men, because of all these councils, uh, and you can go back in history and read them. They used to have a council uh, in Nice. Uh, N-I-C-E. They called it the Nicene Council. And you can go back and study them. Uh, how they changed the Word of God to suit uh, their generation to suit what they believed at that time. Uh, and it's polluted. It's defiled. It's corrupted. Uh, the true and living Word of God. But let me tell you something. Uh, man, they put it on paper, but God's Word is still unadulterated. Uh, it is still unpolluted and it's still undefiled. Uh, and God is raising up a pure and a holy people uh, that will not be defiled. Uh, that's going to walk according to the spirit of holiness and righteousness uh, that God put in man on that day. And there's coming uh, a restoration of all things uh, which God said in Acts 3.9 he said, I have spoken the restitution of all things by the mouth of all of my holy prophets since the world began. And we're coming there again. We're coming to that restitution of all things. We're coming to that great and mighty visitation where God is revealing Himself one more time on the face of the earth. And just a few days ago, I can't remember what date it was, but it hadn't been more than two weeks. It was on a Monday. Uh, I'm thinking it was November the 9th. I could be wrong. But anyway, as I studied and prayed and sought the Lord and reached out to Him, the Lord spoke into my spirit about this scripture in First uh, Peter 2 and 19 about a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And I had been talking about this scripture for a long time. 
and the Lord had started dealing with me about it. He said, he said, you've never seen a chosen generation. You've never seen a royal priesthood. And there is only one royal priesthood listed in the Bible, and that's the order of Melchizedek. When you get in the book of Hebrews and begin to study Melchizedek, I think it starts in the fifth chapter and goes through the seventh. The word tells us that Jesus was made of the order of Melchizedek forever. And Melchizedek, according to Hebrews, the seventh chapter, he has neither father nor mother, beginning of days or end of life. He did not descend. So, you can say what you want to, but I told somebody the other day, I said, I believe Melchizedek's still around because he was God manifest and created in the flesh. He was the man that God created to. Uh, and here six months or so ago, I told somebody, I think I got up and uh, my wife was studying. We've got a little sun porch out on our deck and I walked out there and I sat down and I said, you know, I said from the time man's been on the face of the earth, I said he's offered sacrifices. She said, yeah. I said, the first real sacrifice we read about is Cain and Abel. She said, yeah. I said, but it goes all the way on down through history, all the way up to the law. And I said, if those sacrifices were being made, I said, then there had to be a priest to receive them. You don't just make a sacrifice to the Lord out of God's order. God has an order. And so here in Hebrews 7, in verse 1, it tells us that Abraham was re returning from uh, the slaughter of the kings in Melchizedek, king of Salem, met him, to whom also gave Abraham gave a tenth part of all. That is your tithe. And that's what I'm trying to tell people. Tithing is not under the law. Tithing was before the law. Abraham gave it to Melchizedek. Jacob made a promise to God when he stopped and laid down on that rock and he saw that visitation of the angels ascending and descending before God. And every one of you know, if you went to Sunday school, you was taught about Jacob's ladder. Well, Jacob made a covenant with God, the Lord right there. Whatever he blessed him with, he's going to give him a tenth. That's a tithe, the word tenth. Tithe means a tenth. And after the, that, also the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's not the King of Peace. Melchizedek is the King of Salem or the King of Peace. In verse 3, it tells you who Melchizedek is. He is without father, without mother. He is not Jesus. Jesus was with, not without mother. It says he is without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. So he's still abiding somewhere because it was Melchizedek up till the time that Jesus came was uh, 
crucified, uh, buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven and put his blood on that mercy seat and became a merciful and faithful high priest that he stepped into the priesthood. It was Melchizedek from the time of the beginning to that time that received all the sacrifices and the offerings that were made by man up till the order of Aaron started under the law. And when the order of Aaron started under the law, then it was offered through the order of Aaron. But every sacrifice for all those years up to Aaron, because there's only two orders of the priesthood. There's the order of Aaron and the order of Melchizedek. And so he took all them sacrifices and considered, verse 4 in Hebrews 7 says, consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave tenth of the spoils. And I didn't mean to get out of chronological order there. Uh, Melchizedek is still the high priest uh, up till Jesus came to become the heavenly high priest. But on earth, once the law was set up, then the order of Aaron received sacrifices under the law. But when there was no high priest, when there was no order of Aaron uh, set up, then those that offered up sacrifices offered them up, and they were received by Melchizedek unto the Lord. Think on that for a while. Uh, but it says, now consider how great this man was, this man talking about Melchizedek, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils, and verily, and I'm not going to get into all that, but I want you to know that we have a merciful and faithful high priest, Jesus Christ. It is a royal priesthood. It is a royal priesthood, children. Are you hearing me? This is a royal priesthood. And it is uh, God's chosen seed. And he said there is coming a uh, chosen generation. There's coming a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And uh, if you go back to Hebrews 5 and you read, it says uh, in verse 4, So no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God is what Aaron, talking about the priesthood. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, Today have I begotten thee, and as he said also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus did not come uh, under the law of carnal commandments, but he came uh, under the power of an endless life, and that is imparted unto me and you, and we have come down now, and I will ask you straight out, we have never seen a holy nation. We have never seen a royal priesthood walk in the power, in the authority, in the dominion of Jesus Christ. We have never seen a peculiar or a chosen seed or people come forth on the face of the earth, but now we are going to see it. This is a chosen generation, which means a period of time, because God said in His Word, I quoted it a while ago, Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything there is a season, and there is a time to every purpose under the heaven. This is God's time. He, he spoke into my spirit Monday, two weeks ago. He said, not only 
Is this a chosen generation as far as a seed? But it is a chosen generation according to the time period that I have chosen to move. Nothing is going to stop this move of God. It's not going to come like people are looking for it. I've told people this and they're expecting uh, another Pentecost, another great outpouring where people are going to speak in tongues. It's not going to happen that way. It is not going to happen. If it was going to happen that way, God would be doing the same thing. But he told us in Isaiah 43, in verse 18, Behold, I do a new thing. God is doing a new thing. God is preparing something brand new. And I know a lot of people have talked about a new thing. They've talked about a new day. They've talked about a new anointing. They're talking about God moving different, but it winds up that they have no understanding or no knowledge of what God is doing. And all they are trying to do is, uh, as I heard somebody think, they're trying to do a new thing in a good old-fashioned way. It's not going to work. It's not the mind. It's not the will. It's not the purpose of God. It's not what God has predestined and foreordained. And God has a time to move, and this is His time. This is His season. He is getting a people ready and preparing to bring forth in these last days the mightiest visitation the world has ever seen. And that's the reason I'm excited, because the Lord got to dealing with me. He said from uh, about 500 A.D. into the 600s, He said, everything went into darkness again. He said the book of Acts, the true move had been fought, persecuted. Uh, they had killed so many thousands of Christians. It's like they tried to stamp out the uh, doctrine of Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit, the Word, the working of the Holy Ghost. They tried to stamp it out. It's not going to work. This, this Word's been persecuted for thousands of years. It's been changed uh, it's been preached that all this is going to be received in heaven. But I'm telling you, there is a visitation of the Holy Ghost that is going to be received on this earth that is going to bring in the very nature of the Christ. You know, Peter uh, wrote, and I can't give you the exact quotation right here in front of me, but it said, according to exceedingly great and precious promises uh, that we've been given, that we might be made a partaker of the divine nature. Children, he's not talking about in heaven. He's talking about down here. Paul said in Romans the 8th chapter that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's no glory going to be revealed in you in heaven. There's no glory going to be revealed in you once you make it what we call home. The glory... It's going to be revealed in you down here through Jesus Christ living in you because His Word and His Spirit is coming in to take its abode. And we know if we read the Word and listen in Colossians 1.26 and 1.27, Paul wrote about Jesus Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. That is your hope of glory, Christ in you. Not just in your heart, but uh, the mind of Christ being in you. As Paul wrote in Philippians 2 and 5, Let this mind uh, that was in Christ Jesus be also in you. Let it be also. 
also in you. Let's come together in one mind. You know, uh, when Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians, uh, the first chapter, I believe it's in verse 10, right in there somewhere, he said that we might have the same mind, the same judgment, and speak the same thing. That's the unity of the Spirit. Paul was upbraiding them for their divisions, for their unbelief, for their uh uh, divisions among one another and he was trying to bring them back together in a unity because Paul talked about the unity of the Spirit in Ephesians uh, I believe it's the fourth chapter the first couple of verses he talked about endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace and then you go on down to verse 12 and he talks about uh, or verse 11, and he talks about, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. There's only one faith, and it will be brought back. It's got to be brought back. Man has divided it. Man's polluted it. Man has uh, preached it wrong. But now in these last days, this darkness is going to be rolled back. This darkness is going to be rolled back because from about five or six hundred to the around the late fourteen, early fifteen hundreds, man was in darkness for years, and then the Bible began to be translated and preached right around twelve, thirteen hundred, uh, on up through the fifteen, sixteen hundreds. The Bible was translated uh, into English and was sent throughout all what we call the heathen world, but. It put the gospel on the map. And now God, one more time, is getting ready because the Bible's all over the world now. Well, my wife had that uh, encounter with that lady. Uh, she found out what her native tongue was. She turned and ordered her a New Testament right there and sent it to her so she could read the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is Brother Metter. I see that her time is about gone, and I want to thank you again for joining in. Uh, and I pray this word the last couple of weeks has been a blessing to you. But we are at that door of great visitation. And I'm hungry to see a move of God. My heart is excited. Uh, I'm not worrying about what man says. I'm not worrying about what man can do. But I'm going on with this gospel of the kingdom, which is a gospel of power, authority, and dominion. If you're not seeing it in your life or in your church, then you need to start praying for it. Because the gospel of the kingdom must first be preached into all the world for witness, according to Matthew 24 and 14. And that witness is the power, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. The gospel of salvation may have been preached into all the world, but the gospel of the kingdom has not. So the Lord's not getting ready to come. There's a great work to do. There's a great visitation of His Word in the Spirit that's going to carry this thing all over the world with signs following. So, I want to encourage you, write to us, write to me at World Revivals, P.O. Box 1618, Conyers, C-O-N-Y-E-R-S, Georgia, 30012. Make your donations to World Revivals. It is a a tax-exempt donation. You can go to our website, man, M-A-N. S-E-N-T-F-R-O-M-G-O-D dot O-R-G. That's mansentfromgod.org. We have a Facebook page under the same uh, name. You can uh, you can get on it through our website. 
You can get uh, our email address. There's a place on our website to donate by your debit, by PayPal. Uh, we need your help to keep this gospel on the air. And I want to encourage those of you that will start praying for this nation. Pray for our president. Pray for God to move in our nation. And please, in the days ahead, this is the time that donations drop off 60 and 70% to the church. They ought to increase that much. But over thanks, we're starting around Thanksgiving into Christmas and New Year's, donations will drop uh, 50, 60, and, and some 70%. Uh, and it puts a great financial burden on us and pressure. So pr please stand with us. Please send us your prayer requests. Please come and visit us at the church. We are in the uh, Cardike community off Big, on Big Creek Road. We're right there on the corner of Big Creek and Garland Drive. The address is 9090 Garland Drive, LJ, Georgia. And I believe the zip is 30536, something like that. But if you turn on Big Creek Road out off of Highway 52, going to Dawsonville, uh, the Dollar General will be on your right. When you turn, come out there about six and a half miles, you'll see the New Testament church at Elijah sitting there, a little white building on the right. Uh, it's sitting there. We have service there. It's Sunday morning at 11 a.m. We used to go to prayer around 1030. We're encouraging you to come worship with us. We are, uh, we just go in, we pray, we worship God, whether there's singing, whether there's praise, whether there's testimonies. We do not have a set form. We come to worship God in spirit and in truth. Hope to see you there. May God bless you till our next broadcast.